0: Hi everyone, welcome to church. Today we're going to be starting a whole new series in the book of Philippians. So turn with me to your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be talking about the idea of finding joy. And so there's a big topic, it's a huge topic, especially in today's world. And so we want to dive right in with reading in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says this, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. For your fellowship is the go- in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think of, think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you've given us this book of Philippians. We thank you that you have shown us how to have joy in all things. And as we talk about finding joy through partnership today, Lord, I pray that you would would show us your word and that truly your word would speak to us and that my words would fall away and that your words would rise to the top. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are and how much you love us. In your name we pray. Amen. So here we have the book of Philippians. And Philippians is an interesting book because Paul has a special heart for the Philippian church, as we kind of can tell just even from these first 11 verses of the first chapter. The the book of Philippians is all about joy. So it kind of makes sense that we're doing a whole series on the book of Philippians, and we're calling it Finding Joy. And so it's essentially a manual on how to be joyful in every situation, any situation that you find yourself in. Um, And there are a few things that we need to note about the book so that we can better understand the context that Paul is writing to the church in. The first thing that we wanna note is that Paul wrote this letter about 62 AD and he was waiting to to have his second trial before Caesar. So he was actually in prison while he was writing this letter to the Philippians. And that would have been meaningful to him because three years prior to this, he was in prison yet again in Philippi. Um, And so we're going to go over that, kind of talk about that a little bit. But there definitely would have been, (laughs) well, a special heart for the idea of writing to the Philippians from prison. Um, The church in Philippi, Was close to Paul's heart, as we're gonna talk about. And it supported him more than anyone else. Uh, The church itself, the people of the church supported Paul more than anybody else. And so we're gonna be looking at a few of those things kind of from a a higher viewpoint, but I encourage you guys to get in and study this yourselves, or we have the home group guides that you guys can get a little bit deeper on our website. But just so you know, we're gonna be talking about this idea of what it means to find joy through partnership. And so we want to read in verse five specifically. It says, "For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now." Uh, So he's speaking of the idea that he's praying for them. He's making requests for them with all joy for their fellowship. And so that word fellowship is what we want to kind of hone in right now. And that word in the Greek is called koinonia. So this this koinonia we have this word. It kind of means fellowship. It's Partnership is another, it's a better translation to be true um, in this, but it's the idea, it gives the the idea of a partnership in what Paul was doing. And so when he says, I I thank God with all joy for your fellowship, for your partnership, for your koinonia in the gospel from the first day until now, it is the idea of, well, we need to ask ourselves, what, what is the gospel? And so we aren't going to go super deep into that today, but if you want to go back to our series called Witness, we did a whole sermon on what the gospel is and the definition of it. But we must know the gospel and be a part of it when we claim to believe it. So there are plenty of people that claim to believe the gospel, but actually have no idea what the gospel is and what it says and what it's about. Uh, it's kind of a Christianese type word that we use often where it it loses its meaning because oftentimes it doesn't come with a meaning. It's just yes, we should be preaching the gospel. Well, tell me what the gospel is, and then oftentimes you'll get blank stares when you ask somebody what the gospel is, or you may get you know some comments about the Romans road or uh you know just different doctrines of grace, things like that. You might get a couple of those types of things, but but it's oftentimes kind of unconfident and a mixed match of words. And so we need to be clear on what the gospel is. And so I want to read just a little bit to you guys on what the gospel is. The gospel is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve. He is alive and his death paid for our sins. You can read more detailed and that's, that's a paraphrase kind of of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul gives a very clear definition of the gospel, but we see that the gospel is all about Jesus. It's all about his death and resurrection on the Christ coming to earth as a, as a perfect human to live a perfect life, to die a, a death that he did not deserve for sins that he did not commit. And so we are, our sins are paid for in and through the gospel. And so it's important that we note that when Paul is saying that their fellowship in the gospel, meaning their understanding and their joining in of that gospel message to the, the rest of Philippi as well as the rest of the world. It's important that we know what the gospel is because we cannot partner in something that we know nothing about. And so we, if we want to partner within the gospel, we need to know what that's about. It's, it's the same idea as wanting to uh, you know, support your... Local charity or whatever you want to know what that charity is about before you start giving money to it or before you start backing it, uh, you want to do some some research on what they believe what they say what they do, and if it's something that you that aligns with what you believe and say and do then you're more likely to join in and partner with them and Paul is writing here that he's happy that the church in Philippi sees the gospel believes the gospel, and then we see in verse seven they actually join in the proclamation and the defense of the gospel. If we read, let's just read verse uh, 5, 6, and 7. He says, I'm giving thanks to God with all joy uh, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just a side note really quick there. It's very important to note that Paul is not focusing on Paul here. Um, it It would be very easy to get hung up on the fact that he was in prison. And we're going to talk about that in just a second here, but it would have been very easy for him to I don't want to say complain, but to write about his woes and his, you know, trials and struggles. But he's actually encouraged and encouraging them knowing that Jesus Christ will complete the good work that Paul that Jesus started through Paul. Uh, and then verse seven says, "Just as it is right for me to think of this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all you all are partakers with me of grace." And it's interesting that they that he mentions mentions his chains there as well as his, his, the proclamation of the gospel and the defense of the gospel. This means that they were not just enjoying Paul's teachings. It doesn't mean that they were just consuming his teachings and, and enjoying what he had to say and reading his letters and just saying, that's really sweet. That's awesome. It's actually that they were going out, sharing with others, that they were making sacrifices themselves to further that gospel. And they were taking joy and finding joy in that. And they were defending the gospel. And they were, they were doing that through dedicated study of God's word, of Paul's letters, of the things that God, Paul had taught them. And they were living it and not just consuming it. And that's very important because oftentimes we, we consume a lot, especially in this culture. We have so many different things available to us with cell phones and YouTube and different social media and news outlets and whatever. We consume a lot of things. And some of those things we find to be worth it to dedicate time to or even money to financially. and so. Some of those things line up with our beliefs enough that we are willing to dedicate those kinds of things to them. And so we need to be careful that as Christians, we aren't just consuming the good things of God. Yes, we should be consuming it. Don't hear me that I'm saying you shouldn't be consuming it. You should be taking it in. You should be taking in the word of God. You should be going to church, learning about God, um, finding different people to fellowship with. All of those things are absolutely good. But there's a maturity that we're going to be talking about that comes with that con- consummation, that that consuming of the gospel. There's a maturity that comes with that that uh, that you learn and that you grow towards the things of God and that you partake in them. There, there are really two things, and and that we're going to talk about today anyway, um, that we, as part of the church, can can be pouring into to be supporting and and proclaiming the gospel along with the church in Philippi and Paul, ultimately. And the first thing that we want to talk about is partnership through giving. And a lot of you guys are going to turn off right now. I hope you don't. (laughs) But partnership through giving is very important. If you turn to Philippians chapter 4, just a couple pages to the right, uh, in chapter 4, verses 14 through 17, Paul says this. He says, Nevertheless, you have done... Well, that you shared in my distress. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of this gospel, which I departed, uh, sorry, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. This is important because Paul is writing to them from prison again, and we need to talk about what prison meant for Paul back in those days. Oftentimes we think of prison in our modern culture, you know, being bars of iron and and you know an, uh, an eight by eight cell and those kinds of things. and prison didn't look the same at all for Paul as it would for us. One of the things about prisons back then is that the the they did not provide meals for the prisoner. Uh, The prisoner would have to find a way to provide meals for themselves, uh, whether that was begging or, you know, maybe there's some work detail or something like that that they could do. I don't know all the ins and outs, but I do know that if you had friends that sent you money, you could buy your meals. You could pay for your meals or, um, you know, they could get different kinds of supplies. I mean, Paul is writing a letter here and paper, papyrus back then, was very valuable, uh, it was very hard to get as well, and so he would have needed money to buy those kinds of things as well, paper and quills, I don't know what they used, but, but whatever it was, Paul needed uh, money and, and financial gifts for that, and the Philippians here, the church in Philippi, sent Paul that financial gift, and, and not just Paul, but the, the other church in Thessalonica as well, they sent a gift to them so that he could continue his ministry, So that the other church in Thessalonica, Thessalonica, that word, could continue their ministry in spreading the gospel even while Paul is in chains. You see, they sent a gift because they saw the value in what Paul was teaching, what Paul was preaching. They even personally knew very specifically uh, how Paul's message was meaningful in a way that changes their lives and changes their entire eternity. And so that was something that they wanted to partner well with. And they understood well what it meant that God is the owner of all things. Psalm 24 says this, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. When we rightly understand God, when we actually understand who he is a little bit more, we, we hold everything that we have with an open hand. We, op- we hold everything that we own with an open hand, and, and this includes, yes, we're, we're talking specifically maybe about finances right now, but we also mean, I mean, our families, our homes, our vehicles, our way of life, our food, our clothing, everything is His. Everything is God's, and so when we rightly understand that, it makes it a little bit easier to understand that God isn't asking a ton from us except for our faith in Him, and so when we decide to Partner with a ministry or a a group of people or a person in that sense uh, we are supporting what God is doing. we are saying publicly as well as in our own hearts that yes what say pathway what pathway is doing as a church in our community I support that I want to see that grow I want to see God be glorified through that, and we are going to give towards that so that that work can continue um, there's Again, just kind of in our culture, we think that lights kind of just magically stay on sometimes, and all those things are paid for. All those things require us to pay for them, and so without those gifts, without that giving, the ministry can stop. Now, that doesn't mean God can't do his work, (laughs) because God is bigger than that, and again, God owns all things anyway. But what it does mean is that we miss out, and that's important to note because in in, uh, chapter four there we read, I'm going to just read it again, in verse 17, he says, not that I seek the gift, meaning I, I don't care so much about the money, I can figure that out, or God can figure that out for me, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. You see, when we give, when we partner through giving, we actually reap benefit from that we actually get blessing from that. We understand what, what God means when he says, I love a cheerful giver and in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. We, we see what God means by that and we, we, we understand that it's actually just a joy to give and to, to, to be able to get to uh, you know, give towards these things. And so uh, Paul is saying here, look, I find joy in the fact that you guys are partnering with me through the gift that you have given me, through understanding that I am important enough to you, the work that God is doing in me and through me is important enough to you in Philippi, that you would give towards that. It's got to be, I mean, for Paul, that's, that has to be a very humbling experience. It has to be very, I mean, speaking as a pastor who, who does work on that kind of uh, giving, it is a very humbling experience. It is very um, yeah it just brings us down a, a notch or two understanding that it's only by the grace of God and it's only by God working through other people and maturing other people into this giving that we can continue the work that He has called us to do now again, that doesn't mean that it stops if if everybody stops giving because a no matter what I do in my life i 'm going to be preaching the gospel uh, no matter what, but it does mean that we have such an awesome opportunity here to partner with. God in this and look God doesn't demand our offering and and more importantly than that God doesn't need our offering again it's all his anyways but through our maturity and faith he shows us his delight and blessing through our willingness to give when we choose to give he is able to bless us even more and he again in Malachi he talks about test me in this and see if I won't open up the heavens and bless you. And now we need to be careful, and we don't have a time to go into this because this this message is not about giving or tithing specifically, but we need to be careful that we understand that God's blessing doesn't always come back as a financial blessing. Sometimes his blessing comes back as maturity, understanding, growth in our areas of life, also blessings in other areas, in other ways. And so it is important to know that the church of Philippi was grateful for the work that God, that Paul was doing, and they desired to support him in his time of need. They were willing to sacrifice for, for the work of God to continue through Paul. They were willing to give towards that, and Paul was expressing his joy that that brings him through understanding that that partnership was taking place. So we have the idea of partnership through giving, and now we talk to the second point that we want to talk about, which is partnership through service, through ministry, through, through giving of different uh, times and, and energies. Um, so the story of how the church in Philippi got started is actually quite interesting. Um, in Acts T, Acts chapter 16, <laughs> if you could turn there with me, uh, we see how the church in Philippi got started here with, well, first it started with Lydia um, getting baptized that was kind of the first step but then in verse 16 of chapter 16 of Acts it says this and I'm just going to read through this story this this account it says now it happened as we went to prayer uh, Luke is writing this as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl who uh, possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought a, her master's much profit by fortune telling Uh, This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities and they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which, which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Uh, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all of the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And they And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set the food before them and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. Now this continues on in chapter 16 to show that uh, the magistrates come back and they release Paul and Silas. They try to do it in private. They won't let them do it in private. And then once they're released. They actually go stay with Lydia for a time and her household. And this is the birth of the church in Philippi. And so you see this really miraculous chain of events that kind of caused the people and the church in Philippi to come about. Um, it's it's encouraging. And, and it, it also goes to why the Philippians are so important to Paul, why they meant so much to him. Because They were a people who he was very attached to and had a very special story about and that had cared for him from the very beginning. So yes, we talk about the giving and we talk about the gifts that they sent, but they sent those gifts because of the relationship that they had with Paul before that. and He was with them from the very beginning of their church and he loves them dearly. In verse 8 of Philippians chapter 1, We see that Paul's heart for this special group of people is great. Let's just read verse eight here. It says, for God is my witness, how greatly I long for you with all affection of Jesus Christ. So it's this idea that I yearn for you guys. I yearn for your presence because I love you guys so much. And so uh, this is a very special relationship. And it shows us that when we care about others, we desire to serve them. You see, Paul was their servant. He came to them as a servant. He came to them as, a, as one that is uh, humble and, and, and in a servant's attitude. And he desired that again. And they desired to serve him by, again, preaching the gospel. They became more important. Uh, sorry, people become more important to us than even our personal needs. Uh, this is the love that Christ exemplified for us you know, putting putting others before ourselves. My, my desires are not what matters. Your desires are because I care for you, because I care about you, because I want to see the best for you and, and to see you <laughs> propelled towards Jesus Christ in a way that no one else could have ever imagined. This is exactly the kind of, Love that Paul is talking about. It's a sacrificial love. And it's a sacrificial love that we should have for one another. It's a sacrificial love that understands that, yes, it takes time. Yes, it takes energy. And I don't have a ton of time and energy, but what I do have, I will give to you because you matter that much to me. Whether you are a Christian and saved or whether you uh, need Jesus, I want to love you in that way that you get more of me so that hopefully you can get more of him, meaning Jesus. They served Paul through their financial gift, yes, but they also did it as working for Jesus within Philippi. Because again, they were giving the gospel. They were spreading the good news. One of the church in Philippi was a very healthy church, and we see Paul desire more for them in these following verses that they continue in their journey with Christ. Well, let's just read verses 9-11. through It says, "...in this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God." We are to be filled with the fruits of righteousness. We are to love one another more and more. We are to to live out the Gospel in our own lives so that others may come to know Jesus Christ. We know that the fruit that we plant in the ground hopefully grows. I know that's a shocker coming to a lot of you. But we, we have fruit and we either bear bad fruit or we bear good fruit. And as we mature, as we grow closer to Christ, as we read his His word more, as we fellowship with his people more, as we learn more about him, as we study and grow and as we give and as we love, we start to grow more in these fruits of righteousness that specifically we can we could definitely take them from Galatians 5, where he talks about the fruit of the spirit is love. But. It's even more than that in that we, we mature in our faith and in doing so, we, we then mature in our walk with Christ and we grow closer to Him. And the things of this earth, as the song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, uh, look full in His wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And, and it, it truly becomes more and more true as we do these things, as we sacrifice the things that we think we, we need or the things that we long for that are, that are not godly or not biblical or, or even just not beneficial, there are, there are so many things that we get distracted with where we need to be clear, it may not be a wrong thing that we we're getting distracted with, but it definitely doesn't throw us towards Jesus Christ and towards maturity in Him. And so we need to be careful that we don't get bogged down with those things. I'm not saying that those things are inherently bad. I'm just saying we need to be careful that we don't allow those things to overtake every aspect of our life. He begins to grow different qualities in us that lead us to better relationship with him, which ultimately leads to joy. You see, we we talk about finding joy through partnership, and next week we're going to be talking about finding joy through other things. and We're going to be talking for for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about finding joy and how we do that. And and I'll just give you a little bit of a spoiler here. The main way that we find joy is that we press into Jesus Christ. Now, be careful. We are not saying finding happiness. (laughs) We are finding joy through pressing into and pursuing Jesus Christ and his desire, his his word, and what his word says we should be doing. And his word says that we should be giving. His word says that we should be serving in ministry. We should be serving the local church. We should be edifying the body of believers. These are things that his word talks about, and that we are talking about in finding joy. These are important aspects of that. And we see Paul desire that for them as he says, you know, that you increase more, that you abound more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense, till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And again, we talk about what, what is our purpose here on this earth? What is our main reason to live here on this earth and it is to give glory to Jesus Christ and to God the Father. We love getting to do that. It is our joy whether we are in ministry or whether we are not in ministry. So to wrap it up, let's let's just kind of wrap this up here. Look, you may be in a place right now where joy is hard to come by. You may be it may feel like that there's little joy to be had. Even if you could find it, There's only a little bit here and there. And if you watch the news for five minutes, this is kind of confirmed in us or in our lives. But we see it in the in the first few verses of Philippians chapter one, we see Paul whilst in prison, a, a dirty, nasty, filthy prison, writing to his friends, his true friends, about the joy that he has that because they bring him joy through their gifts through their service, through their desire to see Jesus Christ be glorified, and they, they bring Him joy through their partnership in the gospel, through their koinonia in the gospel. It is that idea of almost family fellowship. It is so close-knit. It is so close-tied. And so if you're struggling to find that joy, l- let me ask you a few questions. First, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Because that is step one. If you haven't, then I encourage you to read through First Corinthians 15 and find out what it means to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, what He did for us on the cross by dying for our sins, raising three days later, and now He sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercessory prayers for us, praying for you. And so, accept Him as your just understand and believe that He is your personal Savior? Secondly, are you giving cheerfully to the work that God is doing in in our midst? And I I do say, are you giving cheerfully? Because again, if you're giving with with a grudge, I just remind you, God doesn't need your money. And it would be better for you to keep it if you were giving with a grudge. But if you're giving cheerfully, that brings joy. I know that Look, gas prices and food prices are not going to go down. It's getting wild in this world. But I I have to trust that the Word of God is the Word of God. And I have to believe that when God says, test me in this and see if I won't open up heaven's doors and bless you, I got to believe that God is willing to provide for my needs when I trust Him. When I trust Him to do that because it's all his anyway. Every, every penny in my bank account, every piece of food in my fridge, every, everything that I have, every drop of gas in my gas tank is Jesus Christ's to do with as he pleases. And so giving to his ministries and giving to his church is just a natural reaction of just giving back to further his kingdom, because I believe in what his kingdom stands for. And then finally, I'll ask this, are you serving the one who saved you? And are you spreading the good news of the gospel? We have, we're going to be spending in a, in a couple months here, we're going to be spending a, a, a long time or a, a, couple, a few weeks anyway, promoting how we can serve in different areas within our church. Are you serving? Are you, are you making that time sacrifice for Jesus and for others? Not even for, I mean, yes, it is for Jesus primarily. And that should be our driving factor. But to see others be blessed is a huge factor as well. And through that, through others being blessed by your service, guess what? You find joy. You will find joy. God will give you joy. It'll, it'll be peace that surpasses all understanding when you are tithing. And it'll be, it'll be a joy that surpasses all understanding when you're serving. Because it doesn't make sense when you're tired after a long week to go serve more Often in the world's eyes, that doesn't make sense, but God gives you joy through that. And are you spreading the good news of the Gospel? If you do nothing else, if, 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 if giving is out of the question, if, if serving within the church is out of the question, are you spreading the good news of the Gospel? Are you telling your friends and your family members who are, who are destined for an eternity in hell, are you telling them about Jesus Christ and His sacrifice? because that will bring you joy when you understand that somebody came to the Lord, somebody was snatched out of the fire of hell because of something that you shared with them, because of the truth that we find in the scriptures. That, is, that brings a lot of joy. Probably the most joy out of all of these things, but these things will help you if you do these three things, obviously, These things will help you grow and mature into someone who is able to say that in every situation you are able to find joy. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you have given us the opportunity to find joy in these different various aspects of life. I pray that we would that we would press into that joy and that we would enjoy joy, that we would that we would enjoy you as we serve, as we give, and as we spread the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would just cultivate in us a heart to see your people come closer to you and cultivate a heart in us to see each other grow closer to you. We love you so much for everything that you are, everything that you do, and Lord, we thank you for your word that guides us and directs us. We pray these things in your holy, blessed name.